listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and we're coming to you from Tasmania. And uh, right across Australia, you can hear us on 87.6, 87.8 and 88.0 on the FM radio. And if you can't get FM radio, you can also listen and you can tell your friends that they can listen on faithfm.com.au and also you can find the app in the app stores, both Android and the Apple App Store. Now, today we have our continuing program, 3MJ, with Ryko Chilich. How are you, Ryko? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you doing, Jason? I'm very well, thank you. Now, uh, how how have you been, Ryko? You've been busy. What what did you get up to last weekend? Well, last week, uh, my wife and I, we were up in Sydney, and we were planning to return back on the Monday. But before that, we were actually planning to get on a plane on Friday and go to Melbourne for the weekend, see some friends there, and then come back to Launceston on Monday. But then, you know, with all this lockdown, uh, on the on the Thursday last week, we were able to change our tickets and get a direct flight from Sydney to Launceston. I did have to wait for 55 minutes so I can talk to an operator there at Flight Center. And, but it was good. We were able to um, change things and also get credit uh, for a flight that we can use in the future. Well, at least uh, you're back home and um, we can continue normal life, I guess, back in Tassie. We're very fortunate to be down here and not uh, so much affected by the the lockdowns that have been uh, in various places. Yes. Yeah. So today, Raiko, um, what's our our topic today before we get into just reviewing our past episodes? Um, What are we going to be talking about today? We're talking about the parable of the wicked vine dressers, or sometimes it is known as the parable of the wicked tenants. Okay. Um, I'm not going to ask too much about what that means right now, because we've got uh, nearly a whole hour to talk about it. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, let's, uh, let's review where we've come from, and, uh, and then we can get into our discussion for today. Yep. Well, let's have a prayer first, sure. and, and then we'll get into our topic Dear Father in Heaven, thank you, Lord, so much that uh, we can talk about, Lord, what you've taught, and I just pray that you will bless us and your Holy Spirit will guide us now, especially as we get into the parable of the wicked vine dresses. This we uh, pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So just talking about what we've covered last week, last week we talked about the parable of the two sons. And remember, there was a father, he said to his first son, go and work in a vineyard today. And how did the first son respond? Can you remember, Jason? Uh, he said no, <laughs> I think. <laughs> he, he said no. He was really open about it. He said no, but then later on he regretted it or he repented and he went. Mm. But the second son, he first said, I'm going to go, sir. I'm going to go. And he was polite, you can say, I go, sir, but then he did not go. And there's a comparison between the first son and the second son. The first son, he really is self-indulgent. He had this motive of, well, I don't want to do, I want to do what I want to do. But then we see that eventually he had a change of heart and a change of mind, and he physically responded. He first verbally disobeyed, And then he physically responded and he obeyed the father. But the second son, 
his motive is self-glorification. He's really showing the characteristics of self-righteousness. And yeah. it's really difficult to talk to a person who is self-righteous. Yeah. Um, and uh, his heart response was, I don't need to do this. And he physically um, did not go and work, and he disobeyed the Father. And last time I shared, there were six takeaway points or six principles we can learn from this parable. And I just quickly want to summarize that. Point number one, God is no respecter of persons. Number two, any kind of Christianity that is based on mere profession has no value in the sight of God. In other words, there's people who just give lip service, but there's no action. Number three, good intentions without action is hopeless. So there are people um, that can have good intentions, and if a businessman had good intentions but there's no action, well, he's not going to get anywhere. Yeah. And uh, another one is number four, responding to the call of God. We see how each son responded differently, and sometimes we can respond differently when it comes to how we um when, when, when we hear the gospel. Uh, another point, point number five, is work today, don't wait. And, and that's something that really left a huge impression on, upon me because the father said to both of his sons, go and work in the vineyard today. It's not about waiting till next year or in six months or next month, but about working today. And I love God and I just want to be proclaiming the good news today. And then last of all, we see that these two sons, they represent... Uh, two classes of people, those who are faithful to God and those who are not faithful to God. Okay, so we're now going to look at the parable of the vineyard or the uh, the wicked vine dressers. Um, but uh, I think we're going to just read a, a passage that sort of gives us some understanding first. Yes, before we just dive into uh, the parable of the wicked vine dressers or tenants, which is found in Matthew 21, Mark 12, and Luke 20, and we're going to really get into Matthew 21, verses 33 to 46, we need to build a foundation first. And we're going to go to the book of Isaiah. So let's open our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 5, and it's verses 1 to 7. And this book was written about 700 years before Christ. And uh, let me just uh, ask you a question, Jason. What's a vineyard? A vineyard is where you grow grapes. <laughs> yeah. Um, you grow grapes and then you produce wine. And it's about producing fresh grape juice. Yeah. See, with a Jew, anything to do with alcohol or fermentation was a symbol of sin. And have you ever tried really good grape juice? Yeah, I, I like the uh, Petriti. In fact, um, David Leo uh, confesses on his Monday program that um, he he loves the Petriti grape juice too much and he <laughs> likes to drink too much of it. But, yeah, no, it's, I, I love um, grape juice, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, Jason, we didn't even talk about this, but I was thinking about the same thing, Petriti. Yeah. And, and usually when we have our big camps, which usually take place once every second year, but now we're planning to have it every year in January, um, you, you have the Adventist Book Center that comes along and they'll bring boxes of Petriti, and my wife and I would usually buy two boxes. Mm. Um, and, and there's about six bottles in each uh, each box, and it will last for over the year. And then there's also sparkling grape juice as well. So uh, you've got Petriti, and this is a company, as far as I know, some company in South Australia. Australia that yeah. does this, yes. and and they have a website too. We're, we're not affiliated, and this is not a, a commercial, but uh, <laughs> they do make good grape juice. 
Yeah, yeah. I actually felt like that. It is. It, it does feel like it's a bit of a commercial, but it's not. We're not affiliated. Well, Thanks for making that clear. Um, just before we dive into Isaiah chapter 5, do you know who was the first person in the Bible to plant a vineyard that we know of? I don't. Off the top of my head, no. Genesis chapter 9, verse 20. It was Noah. Noah, okay. Yes. And God gives a lot of direction to the children of Israel about vineyards in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. The Bible has a lot to talk about vine dresses, vineyards, and grapes. And, and I personally need to study this even more myself. And uh, in 1 Kings chapter 21, there's a man by the name of Naboth. He had a vineyard. And there was a wicked king by the name of King Ahab. He wanted to have his vineyard. And Naboth said, no, you're not having it. But eventually he got it. Because remember, King Ahab was married to who? Uh, Jezebel, was it? Yep. Yeah. She's wicked. She is, yeah. She's no good news. I, I usually tell people, if you ever have a child, don't name them Bathsheba, Delilah, or, Be- or Jezebel. Jezebel. <laughs> and and, and uh, eventually, King Ahab got this vineyard. Naboth was murdered. He was killed. Mm. Um, and we're talking about the parable of the wicked vine dresses. We read about in the book Song of Solomon that Solomon also had a vineyard and he leased it out to other um, keepers, his vineyard. So that's really interesting. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 5. I'm talking too much. And verse 1. Can you read that for us, Jason, please? Yeah, just verse 1 or do you want me to read this? No, uh, let's go. No, just read verse 1. We're going to go verse by verse. Okay. um, Because it's really going to set the foundation when we get into Matthew 21. Sure. It says, Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. In this passage, we read the words well-beloved. And it mentions it twice. And it does mention the word beloved three three times. times. And this is referring to God, God the Father. The word beloved means greatly loved. And it mentions his vineyard. So the beloved, or God the Father, he is the owner of this vineyard. And someone might ask the question, well, what does the vineyard represent here? We don't have to guess, because later on in verse 7, it tells us in this in this same chapter, it tells us that the vineyard represents the house of Israel. Mm. And in Hosea chapter 9, verse 10, we also know that a vineyard represents Israel, the nation of Israel. Verse 2, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 2. Can you please read that for us? Yep. It says, He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in, in, in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. There's a lot of information in this Bible verse. First of all, we see that God, the well-beloved, he dug it up, he dug up the land, and he cleared, cleared out the stones. You don't want to plant anywhere where there's stones. No. He also planted it with the choicest vine, or the quality, or the best type of vine. Mm. He built a tower in the midst. Just picture this. There's a tower. And uh, usually we are told that a tower would be about six to nine meters in height. If it was in the vineyard. That's a pretty tall building. Like in in the context of today, that's about a three-story building, I guess. Yes, yes. And you think about it, the question would be, what is the purpose of this tower? That's a good question. What do you think, Jason? 
I well, towers I would assume uh, is to look out for things. Um, maybe there's another purpose as well. Right. So you would come, you would go to the top, and there would be a watchman. Yeah. And he would be able to see, oh, who's coming into the vineyard? Mm-hmm. Is the enemy coming into the vineyard? And he could have a sling, or he can have a bow and an arrow. But at the same time, the tower was seen as a place of security, shelter, and this is where things can be stored as well. Certain things, when it comes from the vineyard, it can be stored there. So just keep that in mind as well. There's also a wine press. And just try and picture this. You would have these wine presses where uh, you would have this uh, rock pool, not a deep rock pool, but where it's, it's made out of rock or this vat where you would bring grapes and you would place it there in this rock pool and then you would have men that would step on it. And as you would step on it, of course, wine would come out of it or grape juice would come out of it. And then there was like this channel connected to this, you can say, rock pool. And this channel, this is where the wine or the grape juice would flow into another little smaller rock pool or you can say um, another vat. And then people would use clay jars or clay pots to collect the grape juice, and then it could also be placed into wine skins, skins yeah. and this can preserve the wine. But there's an expectation here, and the expectation is that it will bring forth good, good grapes. grapes. Yeah, but it didn't. No, it brought mm. forth wild grapes, mm. and this is, you know, you have good fruit, you have bad fruit, and we've already already talked about previously in another episode that fruit represents the character of God, the fruits of the Spirit, according to Galatians chapter 5 and verses 22 and 23. Jason, I think we need to continue this after our break. We do. We, we need to go to a break. And uh, this first song that I've chosen is called Wondrous Love. It sort of, I guess, talks a little bit about that first verse, you know, a song of my beloved. So let's have a listen to this song by Jaden Levick. That's been marred, distorted, and defamed. The world can hardly see me, and I often get the blame. My name has been misused, given to things I'd never do. But the question remains do you? Do you really know me? Do you really understand how much I love you? And I will do everything I can to show you who I am. Have you sought me for yourself? Search for me and you will find. That my arms are stretched so wide Full of love for you, my child I long for you to be With me for all eternity So the question remains Do you really know me? Do you really know me? Do you really know me? 
mistake with that one i had the songs in the wrong order here so that was actually do you really know me by carly fletcher and sandra entman beautiful song nevertheless uh, we'll see whether we can get wondrous love uh, a little bit later in the program now uh, just to let our listeners know that we do have a number that you can contact us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. if you've got any questions or feedback you can text us in to Tassie Encounters. That's our Tassie Encounters number. You can text us anytime and we will uh, get back to you on that number. Um, later in the program, we'll have an offer that we're also giving away a book. Uh, the book today is called Desire of Ages. So we'll tell you a bit more about that. Now, we were talking about the vineyard and the uh, the good grapes and the good fruit, etc. We need to get back into that, Raiko. Yeah, thanks, mate. So we saw that there is a vineyard, there's a wine press, there's a tower, there's the expectation of good grapes, but there's bad or wild grapes. And here we can see that there is the owner, which is God, but things are not being taken care of inside the vineyard. And uh, usually there would be vine dressers or tenants that would be taking care of the vineyard, but things are just not going too well. So can you please read Isaiah chapter 5, verse 3? Yes, it says, And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. See, here you have the inhabitants of Jerusalem. This is Israel. Judge, investigate. You know, why is there good fruit? Why is there bad fruit? In in, in this case, good grapes, bad grapes. Verse 4. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? 
This is the second time yeah. we're reading here in Isaiah chapter 5 that, that the well-beloved, this is God, He has expectation that there will be good grapes. Mm. But no, there's wild grapes. And He's given everything necessary to, provide, to uh, produce good grapes, but uh, wild grapes came forth. <laughs> yeah, He even prepared the land. He, 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 he cleared it out from stones. Yeah. Let's read verse uh, 5 now, please. And now, please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it shall be burned, and break down its walls, and it shall be trampled down. Here it says, I will take away its hedge, which implies that the hedge was there around the vineyard. A protection of some sort. Mm. Yeah, it would be a protection. It would keep people out. It would keep animals out. And, and the question is, well, what does this hedge represent? And this word hedge can also be translated as fence or wall. Mm. And... We usually see that in the um, Old Testament you have God's law. It's also in the New Testament too. And God's law will not save us, but it's like a safety. It's a protection. It, it, it teaches us certain things, and uh, it points us that we need a Savior who is Jesus Christ. And even in that book that I've been quoting the last couple of weeks, Desire of Ages, tells us the hedge represents the divine law of God. And God also sends messengers or prophets and spokesperson to Israel to keep them safe, to protect them as well. Okay. Verse 6, can you please read that for us? I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. Hmm. And then verse 7, please. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. I just want to give, um, just summarize what we've read. You have the owner here, which is God. You have the vineyard, which is Israel. It also mentions a fruitful hill, which we read earlier. This represents the land of Canaan. And God delivered the Israelites uh, from the Egyptians. And he also gave them material and spiritual blessings. You have also the hedge, which represents God's law and his messengers. Uh, they were safeguards. You have the tower. The tower actually represents God's temple. You have the wine press. And when you have a wine press, well, uh, you have uh, grapes that are being squeezed and wine is coming out or grape juice. And in the Bible, wine represents actually teachings, doctrines. And the Bible actually talks about false teachings and false doctrines when you look at Jeremiah 51 verse 7 or Isaiah 29 verse 9. But we're talk we, we want to talk about in the positive sense that we want to have pure doctrine, pure grape juice, pure teachings. And uh, we see that there is no good grapes. Uh, the grapes here, it's the fruit. It represents the character of God. And uh, it's interesting. We usually quote Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23, where it talks about the fruits of the Spirit, which is really the character of God, love, joy, peace, and it goes on. There's yeah. nine points there. But prior to those Bible verses in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, you've got Galatians 5, verses 19 to 21, and it talks about the fruits of the flesh. And the big point here is in this vineyard, it's not bringing good fruit. It's bringing forth wild fruit or wild grapes. And, and so here we see Israel is just showing no care. Mm. 
Now, this really sets a good foundation as we go now to Matthew 21. So let's go to Matthew chapter 21. Uh, this is the parable of the wicked vine dressers, and please read verse 33. Here another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard, vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a winepress in it, and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Do you do you see the similarities? Very similar, very similar, very similar. Mm. We, we've just unpacked all the meanings, right? Mm, we have. Uh, it mentions here in Matthew. It mentions the landowner. Yep, the hedge. Yeah. The hedge. Oh, of the, course, the vineyard itself. <laughs> right. Yeah. The oh. wine press and the tower and the tower and. Uh, just talking a little bit more about the tower, in Psalm 61, verse 3, it tells us how the Lord is a strong tower from the enemy. Mm-hmm. And the tower was a place of security, shelter, and storage. And the Bible says in Psalm 77, verse 13, Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. And the sanctuary, um, one day we might get into this, but it really, really teaches us the plan of salvation. And it mentions here in verse 33 of Matthew 21 how the landowner, he leased it, the vineyard, to vine dressers. These are tenants. And then he went into a far country. Now, try and guess, what do you think the far country here represents? Um, I don't know. (laughs) The The far country here represents heaven. Okay. Okay. And who do you think the vine dressers are here? Um, they would be the workers. I'm assuming that's the, you know, the, 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 I mean, the vineyard is the people of Israel. So the vine right. dressers, hmm, you might have to help me with that one too, right? Okay. So if the vineyard represents the nation of Israel, the vine dressers would then be the Israelites, the, Israelites, the Jews. Okay. And, and remember, Jesus... I, I was going to say that, but then I thought, no, hang on, the vineyard represents the Israelites. <laughs> oh, but it's the <laughs> look, nation, isn't it? It's the nation Israel, it's the, vi- the vineyard. Yeah. And, and look, even I make... Me- I'm not saying you made a mistake, but, you know, don't be afraid. <laughs> you know, we're all still learning. I mean, I'm not an authority of Scripture. Uh, I'm still learning. I make mistakes too. But, you know, I love teaching the Bible. Yeah. And, 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 and I think it's more important that we teach them rather than, than just preach. Yeah. And, and so, you have these vine dresses. They represent actually the Jews and the Jewish religious leaders. Jesus is talking to them. Mm. It actually represents the Jewish religious leaders who represent the nation of Israel. And it's interesting, this was common that back then, that if you were a owner or a landowner of a vineyard, you would have tenants um, that would take care of your vineyard and they would pay you either in cash, this is talking about the tenant, or they would pay you a percentage of the fruit that is grown on the vineyard. Right, okay. That's how they get, it's a commission in essence, sort of percentage of, yeah. Right, right. So, let's go to our next Bible verse, Matthew 21 and verse 34. Now, when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. This is now the time of the harvest. And there are servants that are sent. And the question is, who do these servants represent? 
these servants, when we compare Scripture with Scripture, the Bible says in Amos chapter 3, verse 7, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless He reveals His secret to His servants, the prophets. Yeah. And a prophet is a spokesperson for God. Yes. So here you have the landowner, which we know is God. He sends servants prophets, and it, as it says here, that they might receive the fruit. There's this expectation that there will be fruit. And isn't that interesting? That's the same in Isaiah chapter 5. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's no different. Can you please read verse 35 and 36 now? And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Again he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did likewise to them. Do, do we have time to get into this, or do we need to have a break? We should go to a break. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. And uh, just remember, the book that we're going to give away a bit later is uh, The Desire of Ages. It's a proven source of inspiration and enlightenment to millions of readers all over the world, and with good reason, for it deals with a universal yearning, the desire for living life to its fullest with the knowledge that we are here for a reason and that we are loved. Now, uh, Raiko's mentioned this book, and it's uh, it's a beautiful uh, book that, that really delves into the life of Christ. And, um, yeah, I'd encourage you to get that, and we'll give you the code a bit later in the program. Let's uh, have a listen to this song next, uh, King of Love.
goodness faileth never Good shepherd may I sing your praise Within your house forever Within your house forever we're talking with Raiko Chelich today and we've been studying the parable of the wicked vine dressers. Now we've only got a little bit through this so far, Raiko, so we need to keep going and I'll hand over to you so we can get straight back into it. Thanks, mate. So before our break, uh, Jason read Matthew chapter 21, verses 35 and 36. And we, we see in these Bible verses that you have the landowner, he sent servants. And there's this expectation for fruit in the vineyard. And there was a first round or a first batch of servants that were sent. And we see that one of them was beaten, another one was killed, and the other one was stoned. And the one that was beaten up, he was hit. He could have gone back to the landowner and said, this is what's happened. Uh, the other two were murdered, killed. And uh, it, it mentioned stoned. And there were two ways of stoning people back then. You would be put up against the wall and people would throw uh, stones at you or they would dig a hole and they'll throw you in and then they'll throw stones at you that way. Mm. But then we see that there was round two or another batch of servants that were sent. And this was, the Bible says, more than the first time. And again, mm. the same thing happened, beaten, killed, stoned. And remember, these servants represent God's prophets, Mm. A God's messengers, God's spokesperson. And um, these vine dressers represent Jewish religious leaders, which represent the Jewish nation. And let me ask you a question, Jason. Did the Israelites reject and persecute their own people, their own servants, their own prophets? Yeah, many, many prophets were uh, rejected and uh, persecuted in the past, for sure. Definitely. You just have to go to the Old Testament mm. and start reading. Uh, Jeremiah, my goodness, that man, mm. um, he was even um, placed into a pit by his own people. Mm. And tradition tells us that he was eventually stoned to death. Mm. Uh, Ezekiel was rejected. Um, in First Kings chapter 22, you read about how Micah was smashed in the face by those who refused to receive his message. But what really gets me is Zechariah. Zechariah was murdered in God's temple. And you read this in Second Chronicles 24, verse 2. And then we come to the time period of Jesus, and you have John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, the, the Jewish religious leaders did not accept him. They did not endorse him. Mm. And uh, later on, we don't have time to read this, but when you go to Matthew chapter 23, and you start reading there from, 20, uh, from verse 29 onwards, and it actually takes place um, on the same day, on Tuesday, later on in the temple, Jesus is talking to these religious leaders, and he says to them, woe to you, woe to you, about seven times. He says to them, woe to you, and he calls them hypocrites. And he talks to them how, oh, you make monuments for the prophets, and, uh, you, you know, they look nice, but... Uh, yeah, you haven't murdered those prophets, but uh, in actual fact, you would have done the same thing. Mm. And then he says to them that in the future, you will um, also persecute God's people, and you will persecute scribes and other people. And you see this in the book of Acts. This becomes a fulfillment. So we see that there is no respect for God's messengers, for God's prophets here by these vine dressers. They are wicked. And when you look at the history of Israel from beginning to end, and uh, I, I don't want to offend if if, a, if an Israelite is listening to this, but you just look at the Old Testament. It's a it's a story of rebellion from beginning 
beginning to end where uh, continually God's messengers, God's prophets are being rejected. Mm. Well, we need to move on. Can you please read verses uh, 37 to verse 39? Then last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. When the vine dressers saw the son, they said to among, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. Uh, and and verse 39, yeah. please. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Mm. Notice in verse 37 it says, oh, They will respect my son. Yeah. But they didn't respect the son. They didn't respect the servants or the messengers or God's prophets, let alone the son. Mm. And, and when you read about this parable in the book of Mark, chapter 12, it says that the landowner only had one son, and it was his beloved. Yeah. A- and what really gets me here is um, it says in verse 38 how they said among themselves, this is the heir. They, they're really greedy here for inheritance. But they reasoned among themselves. And, uh, and a few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus' authority being questioned, which just took place um, prior to this, before the parable uh, of the two sons. You read this in Matthew 21. And where also they, will, they questioned Jesus, these Jewish religious leaders, but then Jesus questioned them about John the Baptist, where does he get his authority from? Is it from heaven or from men? And the Bible says how they reasoned among themselves. They got into this huddle, and I, and I see these wicked vine dresses being in a huddle. And, and this is not good unity. This is bad unity. And they want to kill Jesus. And, and it reminds me the story of Joseph, yeah. where Joseph's brothers also reasoned among themselves. Um, let's move on. Verse 40, I'll read this. It says, Therefore... When the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? Jesus is asking here a question. He's talking to the religious leaders here, the scribes, which were the Pharisees, the chief priests, which were the Sadducees, and there were also elders. And keep in mind, there were also onlookers. There were Jews in the temple. This is taking place in the temple. And you also have the disciples. They're observing this. So now Jesus asks these Jewish religious leaders, the question here, um, what will he do to those vine dressers? What will the landowner do? What's the response? Can you please read verse 41? They said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. Yeah. Wow. We see here that there's going to be a change. There's going to be new tenants. And it mentions here, he will destroy those wicked men miserably. Mm. Do you think the Jewish religious leaders were miserable people? Well, at the time, maybe not. But uh, certainly, I think in time, they would have realized. And and I guess in many ways, they were. I mean, they they hated Jesus. They weren't happy about the fact that he was there. But... um, but yes, I think uh, at times they were miserable, at times they were probably proud and, and uh, mm, happy mm. with where they're at. So I'm, I'm seeing two sides of that question. <laughs> yeah, no, great answer, mate. And he will destroy those wicked men miserably. This mm. is what these Jewish religious leaders, in, in some ways they're actually pronouncing their own doom. Yeah. 
Okay, their, their own judgment. Mm. And there's going to be new tenants. And these new tenants, uh, who are they? Well, they're going to be the church of God, Gentiles mm. who convert. Mm. Um, it's made up of Jews and Gentiles. And so thus far, we see that in this parable, the landowner is God. The vineyard is Israel. The hedge is the divine law. The tower is represented by the temple of God. The vine dressers are the Jewish religious leaders. The far country is heaven. The servants are prophets or God's messengers. The son here, I actually can say this, but who does the son represent? It seems to be obvious that that represents Jesus. That's right. It is Jesus Mm. Christ, the beloved son. Mm. And uh, he will be taken out of the vineyard. Israel would, uh, as a nation, would reject Jesus as the Christ or the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one. The killing of the son, this is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Mm. But there would be some time after that, there would be new tenants. And the new tenants, this is a church of God. And in the um, book of Acts, we start to see, especially after the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 7, we see, ah, oh, the gospel now is not just for the, for the Jews, but it's going to the Gentiles for everyone. And that includes you and me, Jason. It does. Indeed. Indeed. Um, it's time for another break, uh, Raiko. And, um, you know, I guess... Part of the message of, of this is that uh, Jesus has the power to redeem people who, uh, you know, we might have been going the wrong way, but he has the power to redeem. And this ty- this song's titled Power to Redeem. And uh, I'll just, uh, it's by Lauren Daigle and also joining with her, All Sons and Daughters. Let's have a listen to this song. With every morning light 
promised an offer for this book, The Desire of Ages, and this uh, devotional classic by Ellen White tells the life story of the greatest spiritual leader the world has ever known, Jesus. It does not merely set down a series of remote events, it presents the meaning of them so vividly that you will feel like you're an eyewitness to what is being described. And in these pages you will understand, possibly for the first time, the true and underlying significance of Christ's deeds and their bearing on your own life, here and now. Fantastic book. Um, I know, Raika, you've spent uh, a bit of time reading this book and you've uh, shared some of the quotes with us. Um, the, the code for today is 3MJ1, that's the number one, the digit one, 3MJ1, and you can text that to 0488880891. Now, Raiko, a few minutes left. We've got just a little bit more in this passage to cover. Yeah, we have about four more Bible verses to cover. Can you read verse 42, Matthew 21, verse 42? Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvellous in our eyes. Now, a lot of people might be asking, what is Jesus going on here about? Well, these Jewish religious leaders would have understood this. Mm. See, Jesus here is actually quoting from Psalms chapter 118, verses 22 and 23. And he says to them, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And when you read Psalms 118, the builders are Israel. And when you compare with Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, this is in relation to the temple there in Jerusalem, where you have the chief cornerstone. The chief means the primary cornerstone. See, back then they didn't have Bunnings, where we have all these measuring apparatuses that we have today. And the way they did things was they, they would level the ground, then they would have this big rock that would become known as the chief or the primary or the first stone, the cornerstone, and then the building is built around that big okay. chief cornerstone. And it's talking here about history, and we don't have time to go to Desire of Ages, but on page 597, it explains it there so well that when the Israelites were building the temple there, Solomon's temple, that they first chose a stone, and they go, hmm, this stone is not good. They rejected this stone, and uh, they were looking for a 
chief cornerstone, and this stone that was rejected, finally they said, hey, this stone is really good. It's able to endure the weather conditions, and that became the chief cornerstone. Okay. And it became, as Jesus said, and as the, the book of Psalms says, this was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And I'm sure Jesus now is in the temple, and um, he, 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 he's talking about this chief cornerstone. And when we read the New Testament, we see that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. And in Second Peter uh, chapter 2, uh, verses 4 to 10, or sorry, not Second Peter, but First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 10, it talks about how Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone and we are living stones. And so the church is built around Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's not built around mankind. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let, let, let's go to verse 43 and verse 44. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever Just stop there, just stop there, okay? Before you go to the next Bible verse, notice here it says the kingdom of God will be taken from you. Yeah. It's going to be taken away from the Jews, and it will be given to a nation bearing fruits of it. So, this is where later on the gospel is not—it's not just the Jews, but you know the the gospel is for everyone, right? And this is in—you can see this in the Book of Acts. Uh, Yeah, sorry for pausing you there, but read the next Bible verse. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. That's, that's a gr- weird, that's a grim, isn't it? Grim picture. <laughs> that's a weird Bible verse. Yeah. You know, when I read that first, weird, and I, I didn't understand this personally for a very long time. So, there's two things here. Um, number one, there's about falling on the rock, which is actually this rock, which is the chief cornerstone. So, there's the option of falling upon the chief cornerstone, or this stone falling upon you. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds weird both ways. <laughs> And, and the question is, well, what does all of this mean? You know, it's interesting. There are scholars that tell us that there was a second way of how people can be stoned. I, I did mention earlier before about being in the hole and people would place you in the hole and they would stone you or you would be up against the wall. But there was another way where scholars tell us there was this scaffold which was about 3.6 meters in height and then you would be thrown over and there would be a rock at the bottom and you can hit the rock and then, yeah, you might get some scars and some injuries and break some ribs and you can live on. You can Mm. be restored. But then there can be a decision made that once you've fallen upon that rock, then people at the top might decide, no, let's throw another rock from the top and bang, it Mm. hits you and, you know, you're dead. Mm. Okay? And so, really... Falling upon the chief cornerstone is you're broken. You are submitting. You are surrendering to Christ. But the rock falling upon you, grinding you to powder, this is actually the language of judgment. Okay, You have rejected salvation. That, that's what it means. And then please read verse 45 and 46. Now when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitudes because they took him for a prophet. Mm-hmm. You know, I see our time is coming to an end, and I think, you know, the big question is what can we learn from yeah, all of this? Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about literal Israel, and we don't want to offend Jews. There are Jews that have accepted Christ as the Messiah. And, of course, the first uh, Christians were Jews as well, so it's, it's not um, to condemn 
the Jews. It's those who rejected Christ, I guess. And that I guess that applies to us today as well, doesn't it? I mean, that's one of the takeaways is that if we reject Christ, if we reject God, uh, our fate is the same. Right, exactly. And the Bible is pretty clear that we become spiritual Jews or spiritual Israelites. When we look at Romans chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, and Galatians chapter 3, verses 28 and 29, we can become a spiritual Israelite. The word Israelite simply means you're an overcomer. But uh, you've already touched on this, Jason, and um, let's say you're a Christian, you've already accepted Jesus, but can we be rejecting God's messengers? God preachers, could we be rejecting the Word of God, you know, the Holy Spirit speaking to us? But let's say the person listening has not accepted Christ yet. Mm. And, you know, the question is, you know, messengers are being sent. You know, maybe it's through songs, maybe it is through preaching, maybe it is through a friend. You know, how are we responding to that? Are we rejecting it? Are we accepting it? And I just want to encourage you that um, if, if you're not a Christian, you're not a believer in God, um, test God, or in other words, test the Bible. Um, give it a fair go. Give it a chance. Mm. And, and, you know, I want to encourage, don't just be quick to reject it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Raiko, we are at the end of our program, and uh, what have you got for us next week? Uh, Next week, we're diving into the parable of the wedding feast. So remember, Jesus, he, he was, his authority was questioned. He then had a parable of the two sons. Then the next one was what we studied today, the parable of the wicked vine dressers. And then he shares a third parable, the parable of the wedding feast. Awesome. Okay, well, next Wednesday, I look forward to delving into that with you. Tomorrow's program on Searching for Certainty with Peter Watts, we're looking at did we really evolve? You know, this this idea of creation versus evolution. So uh, that'll be a fantastic program. We do hope that you can join us there. Now, remember the code for that book, The Desire of Ages, is 3MJ1, and you can text it to 0488880891, and we'll get that book out to you. And, of course, there was some text. Uh, what was that page number that you didn't read from today, uh, Ryko? Just to finish up, you had a, uh, a quote that we didn't have time to read. Just so uh, our listeners can uh, grab that. Uh, page 597, or maybe it's on uh, going to page also 598, somewhere okay. around there. Well, if you get this book, uh, we'll send it off to you, and you can listen or you can read that uh, for yourself as well. We have to go, and we do hope that you have a great day wherever you are, wherever you're listening, and we hope that you can join us again tomorrow and also next week with Raiko. Thank you, Raiko. We'll uh, talk to you next Wednesday. Thanks, mate. God bless. You too.